Can we ask, can we ask, can we ask Moshiach to unmute himself? Yeah, that's what I want. I unmuted myself, now let Mashiach unmute himself, and the Ebershter should unmute himself. L'chaim, everyone. Thank you, thank you. So I'm with you on the Zoom. Um, for those uh, who are generally my Facebook listeners and YouTubers, uh, as you asked me to make it available just in case you overflow, so I just want to let everybody know this is a special talk that I'm giving over here for a group of women, but you know, I think what I'm going to say is good for men and, and women as well, and for everyone. So uh, it's a big honor, and um, I, I'm... I, you know, those who have been listening to my classes might hear some of the ideas presented before, but there's always what we call there's always something new. And um, I'm trying to find um, the meaning of the moment that we're in right now. Uh, we're in a very, very, very awesome times. We're in extraordinary awesome times. And it's exciting times. And we shouldn't lose focus notwithstanding corona, notwithstanding lockdowns, not, not, notwithstanding curfews, and notwithstanding the other disappointments and, and the like, we shouldn't for one moment be distracted from the prize. The grand prize is the grand finale of the Geula Shalema, of the up-and-coming redemption, which is not, shouldn't we call it the up-and-coming, but the current redemption that is literally unfolding in front of our eyes. And um, it's exciting. I think a lot, it helps a lot if we appreciate why now? Why now? Why, why out of all times, why are we so confident? Why is there a consensus in the street, at least in the Jewish street, even from those who perhaps were not that willing to admit 
to admit this a year ago or so forth, there is a, consensus, a, con, a very strong consensus that Mashiach is literally barreling down upon us. Um, so the Jewish calendar, the Jewish year, the months of the year, we just entered into the month of Kislev. So we know we have 12 months. So the 12 months can obviously be divided in 12, 12 months. But they can also be divided in groups of six and six, the winter months and the summer months. And then there is another division. The months can also be divided into a group of four. And then you have three such groups, three times four. I'm sorry. You can, in four groups, in which each group has three months. Four groups, and each group is four times three is 12. Um, why, who says that there is such a division? Who says there's a, we can characterize the months in groups of three, 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 and three? Well, we know that the 12 months of the year correspond to the 12 tribes. 12 tribes of Jacob, 12 tribes of the Jewish people. The 12 tribes, the 12 Shvatim, um, camped around the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, and they were divided into groups, into four groups. Each group had a banner. And every group was a group of three tribes. So we see the idea that the 12 are divided into, into four groups. In that sense, we can group the months also together, three, 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 and three. From that count, being that the Jewish Hebrew months do not begin at the beginning of the year, but begin in, at Pesach time, April, May, that's when we start counting the beginning of the year for the Hebrew months. Nisan is the first month. According to that, we are just entering into the ninth month. Now the ninth month is the third month of the third group. See? There's three groups, there's four groups. So you got Nisan Er Sivan, the first three months. That's the first, uh, that's spring, right? Spring leading into summer. And then you have Tammuz of Elul, that's summer. Okay, that's the second group. The third group is Tishrei Cheshvan Kislev. And that's this, this, this group that we're in right now. So it's the third group. Within the third group, we are right now entering into, or we entered into the third month of the third group. Within the third group of months. Now what is so significant about that idea, about these three months? So we know that these three months in general are very special because they start with Tishrei. And Tishrei is the month of all the holidays. So that tells you the fact that this, if you take a look at any other period of the year, again, if we, it's four sections of the year. It's true that Nisan is powerful. We have Pesach, then we count the Omer, we have Lagba Omer, which leads us up to Shavuos, pretty strong. And then we have the three months of the summer, that's a really dark period. We got Tisha above, and we know it's gonna turn over one day, but meanwhile, or in a certain degree, the Rebbe said, that many of it has turned over already, right? Fine. So we're waiting for that light to shine. But which part of the year has the most powerful, dumb, you know, 
energy. It's the right is Tishrei. Because Tishrei is the month that is jam-packed with holidays. That's what the ho- the first day of the of the the first day of this unit of three months of these three months start with this powerful holiday of crowning God as King Rosh Hashanah, and then just a couple of days later you have Yom Kippur, and then you have the most joyous holiday of the year. You have Sukkot for eight days or nine days. So. And then it concludes, these, this three months period concludes in the middle of a holiday. It, it concludes in the festive holiday of Hanukkah. And in general, the month of Kislev also has so many spectacular days, especially in later history, in Hasidic history. The, the, the days of Kislev, it's even called the Chodesh Hagula, the Chodesh of Redemption. So we see that this must be a very special time, this third section, this third group of months. Now what I am really, really, really excited about, and what occurred to me while I'm actually thinking about this share tonight, uh, because you gotta come up always with some new stuff, you know? Just, just recycling old things don't, uh, you know, at least for me, it doesn't excite me. I need always something new. <laughs> so I needed a chiddush for tonight. So Hashem dropped something for me that really got me excited. This is just this just dropped for me about about an hour ago. I have to say I was horizontal, laying on the couch, thinking, "What am I going to say tonight?" And boom, uh, you know. So some, it was like ya- you know Yaakov Avinu also had a great vision when he was lying down. So maybe that's what it is. <laughs> so what got me excited is that um, it, that these three months are seven, eight, and nine. Seven, eight, and nine are the most crucial numbers for Geula. Redemption, seven, eight, and nine. And what's really causing me to really to not to be able to contain myself from excitement, which you'll probably soon see as I'm get on in the class, is that every single one of these are super special. But this year, this year, the, the, we are peaking in the number seven, we are peaking in the number eight, and we are peaking in the number nine. In other words, when I say peaking, I don't mean peaking in like peaking. I mean we're hitting the peak. Seven, eight, and nine, these numbers are all coming together this year in a powerful way. And these are the three months period that we just passed, this group, Tishrei number seven, Cheshvan number eight, and Kislev number nine. Now, what also occurred to me, I said, hey, hold it, we started reading Parshas Vayetze. Today, we started reading a new Torah portion. So I said, okay, let's count. Bereshis, Noach, Lech Lecha, the, the, the Parshas of the, of, the, of, the, of the Torah. We start every year a new reading of the Torah. That means we're unrolling, we're, 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 we're rolling out the new world that Hashem is creating. And we have a new Torah every year, a whole new level. So, Bereshis is Parsha number one. Noach, Lech, Lecha, Vayera, Chayesara, Toldois. Vayetze is number seven. Vayishlach coming up is number eight. And Vayeshev is number nine. So actually, as we hit now number nine, the ninth month, which is the third month of the third, of the third group, we're also in the Parsha of the week, hitting this group of parshios of seven, eight, and nine. And when we uncover the mystery 
of what seven represents and what eight represents and what nine represents, we can actually see that that's the content of these three parshios, and that's the content of these three months, uh, Tishrei, Cheshvan, and Kislev, these three Hebrew months and the holidays that are in it. And all this becomes so special this year when seven, eight, and nine are shining with its, with its utter brightness. So that's why I'm excited and I'm confident that we are actually now at the cusp of the greatest godly, godly revelation that has ever been even higher than Sinai, even higher than the Exodus from Mitzrayim. We are about to witness the most greatest joy. I think it's important that we, that we just train our hearts to be able to feel such intense joy. Maybe every night we all need to dance with music just for the fact of getting our hearts ready for joy. To acclimate, because if it hits you in one shot, you know, God forbid, we don't want to be overwhelmed. So I think, but that's what we're holding right now. It's so, we're so ready for Mashiach to just blow through the door any second. Um, tonight is actually also exciting because into, in the month of Kislev itself, tonight we're entering into the seventh day of Kislev followed by the eighth day of Kislev, followed by the ninth day. So now we're going into these three days within Kislev itself, seven, eight, and nine. So now let's talk for a moment the significance of these three numbers, why they mean so much for Mashiach and for the Giyula, and how are they highlighted this year in particular. So let's start with number seven. So we're all familiar with the first discourse the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said when the Rebbe became a Rebbe. When the Rebbe took on the mantle of leadership of Chabad Lubavitch, the Rebbe spoke a discourse and he based it on a passage of the Midrash, of the Midrash, where the Midrash says that on the day the Mishkan was built, God exclaimed in great joy, Basi Lagani, I finally, finally came to my garden. God was celebrating, God was beyond happy, if you can say, that, that the whole purpose of creation was fulfilled as Hasidic teaching, teach us God wants to have a home in this world. However, for, for Hashem to have a home in this world, in order not to overwhelm us, in order for, not, for us to, to, to be you know, completely um, blown away by the revelation, God made his way down to the world in increments, bit by bit. Being that there are seven heavens, God descended slowly from the seventh heaven to the sixth, okay, there the Rebbe explains, initially God did reveal himself on earth, but then there were sins that chased him away. But then as God began his return, it took seven, seven moves. He moved from the seventh heaven to the eighth, and, there, and, and over there the Midrash says that it took seven generations of righteous, righteous gener people, of tzaddikim, who escorted God from the heaven down here to earth. And that is... The Rebbe says the significance of number seven. Moshe Rabbeinu was the seventh. The Medrash says all seven are special. And that's why Moshe was the one who actually brought God down to permanent, to live in this world um, with the Jewish people in the Mishkan. Then it later was translated to the temple. First base of the second temple. And of course, it's going to be translated into the third base of Mikdash very, very soon. But why was it Moshe that did it? Because Moshe was the seventh one and the seventh is always special. 
And the milk, we see that the seven is always special. Shabbos is special, number seven. And the sabbatical year, Shemitah, number seven. And then we count seven times seven. And um, again, the Shemitah. And then after that, we have a Jubilee year, right? So you see, seven is really, 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 really the perfect number. A very, very, very special number. Um, Okay, so that's, now what is, and then the Rebbe continues later in his leadership, he did not discuss this in his first discourse, but later in his leadership, the Rebbe spoke about the idea that the address of Chabad headquarters, in which all this great godly light is, is reaching the entire world, is 770. And the Rebbe spoke the significance of 770. He said that 770 represents, why is the headquarters of Chabad 770? He says because Chabad, that place is the place from where light comes forth to the entire world, to the four corners of the earth, and completes the work that it takes to bring Moshiach. And what's the work that it takes to bring Moshiach? To reach the entire, the full, the full creation. Full creation means all of time and space. That every element of creation, every part of the world has to be touched by godliness. Has to be affected and impacted by a mitzvah, by a Jew, by Torah, by mitzvahs, and so on and so forth. And from where is that being inspired? The Rebbe said from 770. And the Rebbe goes on to explain that why, again, the, the meaning of 770 is because time and space is number seven. God created the world in seven days, so you see time is divided in seven, and space is also seven because there are six directions, and then there is the middle, a middle point from where the six directions go off, and that's number seven. So we also find that according to Torah, there are 70 nations, which is just an extension of the number seven, and then there are seven continents, and then there are seven um, colors in the rainbow, and then there are seven musical notes and seven seas, and according to um, the Torah count, there are seven planets. Shiva koychve leches. What exactly the scientific count today and how they determine planets is is not the question, but the Ars idea of seven. So all of natural existence is seven, and therefore. When we impact and we permeate every element of seven with godliness, we've completed the task of, of elevating this world and making the world ready for Mashiach. And that's why the last, the last, the last um, place that is inspiring the completion of the work that will bring Mashiach is 770. Okay? That was, that's the teaching of the Rebbe. So that's the significance of number seven. Now, number seven is not yet the number of redemption. Number seven is the work of redemption, completing the task, making the world ready for redemption. Redemption itself is related to number eight. Eight is the power of the actual geula of redemption. As it says in the, in the Gemara, when it speaks about that there are eight tzaddikim, there are special tzaddikim, super tzaddikim, there are eight of them, and Moshiach is one of those eight tzaddikim. They're called Nesiche Odom. Because the real novelty of, the, of Moshiach, of the Geula, 
is that he, he draws from the number eight. We also know that all the prophecies, almost so many, let me say all, but so many of the prophecies that are speaking about the up-and-coming redemption are all um, conveyed to us through a word that expresses number eight. And that is the word called us. Us, which means then, right? So, first of all, we find that by the first redemption, when the Jewish people went out of Egypt, when we sang and expressed our gratitude for the actual miracle of the redemption, the opening word of that song is the word us. Uz Yashir Moshe, then Moshe sang. And the word Uz say the Kabbalists, and it's brought in many, many commentators, that the word Uz is that powerful, magical word. Because Uz has an Aleph and a Zion. The Hebrew letter Aleph, which the numeric value of the Hebrew letter Aleph is one, and Zion is seven. So when you take an Aleph and Zion, it gives you number eight. It's not just that you have number eight, but it represents what, what, why is eight special. The reason why eight is special is because if nature, if the natural existence that God created is through the power of seven, originating in the divine seven emotions, that's what sets the, the order of creation, the cosmic order is set by an order of seven. Since the whole idea of Geula, redemption, is that within nature, within creation, we invite the supernatural, we bring in God himself, who is beyond nature, who is infinite. Seven is the number of perfection, of finitude. But to bring in the infinite, that's the number eight. Since redemption means a power that is higher than nature, takes us out from the limitations and the boundaries of the natural, and connects us to something transcendental, the infinite, that's number eight. So eight is the number of miracles. Eight is beyond nature. So when the Jews stood at the Red Sea and they saw the sea split, the first word that expresses that miracle, they were finally broken out from the constrictions and limitations of the world of science, the world of the natural, and they perceived the supernatural. So that was like such a sigh of relief that was the connection, and the word that came to mind, even though they didn't say this word, but the Torah expresses it, is the word uz. Aleph, which represents the infinite, Zion, which represents nature, and the fusion, the drawing down of one over seven, that's number eight. We find, continuously, we also find it's interesting that when the Jews went out of Egypt, what was the year that they went out of Egypt? It was in the year 2448. Now the mystery code was also the number eight. The mystery code, which was kept as a secret amongst the Jewish people, in which the Redeemer would have to utter that they should believe him that he is the Redeemer, was the word pakod pakadati, which the word pakod pakadati means I have remembered you. And when Moshe came to the Jewish people and he told them these words, they had it um, as a tradition from their elders and, they, and he passed the test. They believed him that he was the righteous Mashiach, that he was the true redeemer, he wasn't some imposter. When they heard these words, pakot pakadati. The word pakot pakadati 
begins, both these words begin with the letter pay. Now pay is really eight. Pay, the numeric value of the letter pay is 80. So it's eight, every number is complete with 10. Just like I said earlier, from seven becomes 70 nations. So from eight becomes the number 80, which, mo which is pakot pakadati. And an amazing other fact is that Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the redeemer, had to be 80 years old when he redeemed the Jewish people. He came to redeem the Jewish people only when he was 80 years old because the power of the redemption was not from the number seven. Seven is still Mitzrayim. It still represents limitations and boundaries. It's coming from the number eight, which eight is transcending. So let's take a look. What did the Jewish people do immediately after they left Egypt? They counted. How many weeks did they count? They counted seven weeks. And after a seven-week count, which is 49 days, what happened then on the 50th day? What's the 50th day? 50th day is really number eight. It's the beginning of the eighth week. That's the 50th day. It's number eight. It's not part of the seven. What happened? The sky is opened up and God and the earth opened up and all of existence became open and they beheld what? I am God, your God. They beheld Hashem, came down and gave them the Torah. Which day, when was it? Again, number eight, not number seven. And when they built the Mishkan, when they built their tabernacle, when did God come to reside in their Mishkan? They spent seven days putting it up, taking it down. Putting it up, taking it down. And every day that they put them up and took it down, God did not come down visibly to their eyes. It was only as the Torah report reports in the third Torah portion in Leviticus, in Vayikra, where it says, It was on the eighth day, boom! That's when God came down. That was the day that they, that they were waiting for. That day that we spoke about before of Basi Lagani, I came to my garden. It happened when? On the eighth day. So you see the power of number eight. Now let's skip ahead and jump to the future redemption. In the future redemption, almost so many of the prophecies talking about what's going to happen then are all opening up with the words Uz, the more familiar one to us. Uz pinu. Then our mouths will be filled with laughter. We have forgotten how to laugh in 2,000 years of exile. Really laugh. Well, Jews were kept, we managed to survive the exile through humor and Yiddish Egelechter and like you didn't say, Sanishka Gelechter. Uh, but, but yet we laugh, but, but that's not a full mouth of laughter. The full mouth of laughter is only going to be when Mashiach comes. What's the word the Torah uses in that prophecy? We say it before benching. Uz, then, yimaleis chayk pinu. Then let's take a look. Then there is another word. Uz tisaneg el Hashem. Then will come the time that you will delight in God. Then it says in the verse, Uz yirananu atzeyayar. Then the trees of the forest will dance, will sing. Uz, the sing, all of the world will clap its hands and everybody will sing. When? Uz, again, number eight, one over seven. And then you have Uz, Uz tismach besula b'machol. Then the girl, referring to the Jewish people that have been so long suppressed in exile. Then this young girl, she will dance b'machol in a dance. When Mashiach will come, we will all be dancing and dancing and dancing in a circle around Hashem and around Mashiach. We won't be able to stop dancing. 
When is it Uz then? And here's another one. Uz amim. Then I'm going to convert all the nations to have one tongue and serve God. And, the, and there's more and more. I just gave you quite, you know, some, uh, uh, a list of a few of them. So you see that everything, the secret of number eight, that's the secret of redemption. It's the few, because what's redemption? Is when the world is fuses together with the infinite. That's seven and eight as they come together. So that's what's special about number eight. And now let's take a look for a moment at number nine. What is significant of number nine regarding Mashiach? Well, the Midrash tells us that there are five letters of the Aleph base in the Hebrew alphabet that have double letters. Five of them, which we put, which is two versions of the letter. One of the letter is used in the middle of the word, and one of the letters are used in the end of the word. There is the Chaf, we call them, for short, we call them Menatzpach. Menatzpach is Mem Nun Tzadik Pei Chaf. So Mem has two Mems, the regular Mem and the end Mem, though we call Yiddish refer to it as a Shloss Mem, a closed, a locked Mem. We have the letter Nun, has a double Nun. We have the Chaf, which is put in the end, but it's really the first. And we have the Pei and the Tzadik. The Midrash tells us that these five letters are all redemptive letters. They're letters of redemption. They hold the key to redemption. And the Medrash goes through how each one of these brought one of the redemptions in history. Avram Avinu, Abraham, our first father, was redeemed from the shackles of limitation and boundaries when God told them, Lech Lecha, double cuff. Yitzchak achieved his redemption um, with the Mem. Yaakov receives his redemption with the letter Nun. Hatzileni Na, please save me from Esav. So he, it's a double nun over there. And the Jewish people went out of Egypt with the letter pay. And that's why the Redeemer came, pakoid pakadati. What is the secret of this redemption? So the sages, the Midrash says, for that we've reserved the last of those letters. And that is the letter of tzaddik. Tzaddik katomar yifrach. The tzaddik that will sprout forth like a date tree. Tzemach tzomachti. Where do you find the double tzaddik? In the, in the prophecy where it says, Tzemach tzamachti, a plant I have sprouted forth. That's the letter tzaddik. The letter tzaddik is really nine, is, is 90. It's the letter 9 times 10. It's the shlemus, it's the perfection of number 9. And um, the, the, so, but what is the significance of number nine? What, what does it mean? We, we explain. The connection of seven to redemption, we understand. Because for redemption to happen, the world needs to be purified. Every nook and cranny of creation needs to be nook purified. Well, when we have the perfection of number seven, like 770, it's all, it's all the world is, in its, uh, is purified. So it's ready for redemption. Number eight is the energy of the redemption itself. Number eight represents God, the infinite. Seven or seven is the is creation, and when eight infuses the seven, the word us, that's redemption. But what is the significance of number nine? What does nine mean that nine should have such a redemptive quality? The answer to that is 
Nine is the number of truth. Nine is the, is the, is the, is the number that represents MS truth. Why? The word MS is gematria 441. The, the numeric value. Aleph, Mem, Tuf. So Tuf is 400. Mem is 40. And Aleph is 1. So 441. Now we know that when we do gematria, we can sometimes break it down to its single digits. So let's add the 441 together. 4, 4, and 1. 4 plus 4 plus 1 is 9. So it says that you can see that the number 9 is the number of truth because every way you try to mess with the 9, it will always come back to 9. Truth will always prove itself from every direction. So 1 times 9 is 9. Now let's try to play around with the 9 and give him a partner. Let's even up, give him a twin. 2 times 9. So 2 times 9 is 18. 1 plus 8, 9. Let's throw in a third buddy. 3 nines. 3 nines, 9 times 3, 36. 6 plus 3 is 9. Now, I'm sorry, it's 27, I'm sorry. Three times, it's, it's, it's 3 times 9 is 27, 2 and 7 is 9. 4 times 9 is 36. 5 times 9, 54. So you go 63. So you go higher and higher. Every single one is, no matter how far you go, you always come back to number 9. And I, I, someone shared with me a very, very fascinating thought. We all ask the question, how come the Torah doesn't start with the letter, with the letter Aleph? We take a look at the Torah, the Torah starts with the letter Bez, not with the letter Aleph. So we ask the question, why doesn't the Torah start with an Aleph? So he, this person said to me like this, he said, if you, if you take the letter Aleph and you add together three letters, Aleph, Bez, Gimel. You start with Aleph and you group together three letters. So Aleph is one, Bez is two, and Gimel is three. So what is it? What, one and two and three is six. Okay? Now let's do Dalid, Hey, and Vav. Let's pick the next three letters. Dalid, Hey, and Vav. So Dalid is four, Hey is five, and Vav is six. So four and five is nine, plus six is 15. One plus five is six. Let's continue. Zion Ches Tes, 7, 8, and 9. 7 and 8 is 15. 9 plus, 9 plus 15 is what? 24. 2 and 4 is 6. Everything equals 6. What's problematic? So what's wrong with that? Problem is that when you take the word Sheker, Shin Kuf Resh, Sheker means lies. You take the word Sheker, Shin Kuf Resh. Shin is 300 in Gematria. Kuf is, two, is 100, Reish is 200. So it comes out to 6, to 600. 6 plus 0 is 6. Sheker is 6. So the Torah is not, didn't want to put, didn't start with an Aleph because the three letters going from Aleph will always lead you to, to Sheker, to lie. But if you do the same thing and you start with Bez, let's start with Bez. Bez, Gimel, Dalad. Bez and Gimel is 5. Dalad is 4, is 9. Hey, Vav, and Zion. Let's put it together. Five and, and six is 11. 11 plus seven plus seven is 18. One and eight is nine. So you will go further. Seven, eight, um, um, we're holding it. You will continue. It will always go back to nine. So the Torah, since Torah is Torah's MS, Torah is a tr Torah of truth. So 
So therefore, the Torah starts with Beis because, because from the there, the three letters are always equaling nine. So nine is the letter of absolute truth. So why is that important to Mashiach? So first of all, Mashiach comes to reveal truth. What's Mashiach? The truth of everything is revealed. But primarily regarding to what we were speaking about before. In order to take creation, which is finite, and, and which is number seven, and eight, which represents, eight is not eight. Eight means infinite. Eight means, and that's why I'm interesting, if you take a look at the letter eight, and you lay it down sideways, even the way, even the way it is, the way we write that letter, what do you have? It's the symbol of infinity. It goes forever. So eight represents boundless. How can a finite vessel become a vessel to boundless energy? It can't be. The fusion of eight and seven is an impossibility. It can't be. Either the, either the, the finitude stops being finite or the, or the infinite somehow loses its infinity. You can't take an infinite amount of water and put it into a limited vessel. You can't take infinite. So how does a finite world encompass the infinite and the world remains in its identity and yet it becomes one with the infinite? It's impossible. The answer to that is God himself is neither finite and he's neither infinite. When we speak about infinity and we say it's, it's, it's Hashem's infinite expression, when God expresses himself, in the infinite, and God creates the world, He expresses Himself in the finite. Once we realize that number seven, which is a creation, is that all it is, is a finite expression of God. And number eight, which is infinity, what is it? It's the infinite expression of God. But they're both expressions of the same God, which is the truth of God, which is number nine. So number nine enables seven and eight to come together. Creation Without number nine as the underlying factor, seven and eight do not merge together. Seven and eight merge together because of the MS, because of the truth of God, which is number nine. And that's the significance of these three numbers, seven, eight, and nine, regarding Mashiach. In order to bring together the seven and the eight, that it should be forever, it requires number nine. That's why... When we went out of Egypt, um, uh, that Geula, since that Geula did not fuse the two of them permanently, it was through number eight. It introduced the infinite, but it was not yet the revelation of ultimate truth. That's what Mashiach is going to have even higher than Moshe. Is that Mashiach, as we said before, is coming with the power of, of Tzaddik, of number 90, Moshe was coming through the power of number 80. Once Mashiach comes, we won't experience any more a miracle as a miracle. The miracle will be natural, nature will be miraculous, and the miracles will be natural. There will be a seamless oneness between 8 and 9, between the infinite and the finite, to the point that they're so converged together because what is it really? They're... It's really just God himself, which is the, the essence of God expressed in number nine. Tzemach tzemachti. Emes me'eretz titzmach. It says truth is going to sprout forth. It's interesting. It's just occurring to me now. That's why you always have to have good students. I guess I have a good, good group of people. So we have good students, and this thought just occurred to me. When it comes to truth, it says truth will sprout forth. 
from the earth. Because the idea of truth is, it's not, you don't bring truth. You don't teach truth. Ultimate truth is, the truth will show. If it's the truth, it will show. If God is the essence of everything, it has to show. That's why it's called titzmach. It will, it, it's semach. It's a plant. It's sprouting forth. It will automatically push itself out from beneath. It might be covered up, but eventually it's true nature of what it is. It's like someone who can pretend. How long can you pretend? Eventually you're going to be caught in a moment when, you're not, when, you, when, you, when you don't have your guard up and you're going you're gonna to give it away. Why are you going to give it away? Because you just weren't careful. Because you're going back to your natural self, who you really are. You're stopping to pretend. The truth, the ultimate truth of truth is the Eberster, is God. Is, is the, and therefore, that's, and that's what enables the fusion of eight and nine. Now, let's take a look at, at this year and see where we have in this year the perfection of seven, the perfection, you hear me? Was that the whole time or just the last few minutes? It's been on a little echoey, like It's been like that for about the last 15 minutes, very echoey, reverberating and faint. Oh, they. Okay, so I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I text Cyril to tell her that it was not good. Maybe some people are Yeah, yeah, it might be. The echo might be because, because you're... Okay, am I better now? Better, better, better? Complete, complete mute. Let's try that again. Let's get a complete, complete mute, and I'm going to unmute. Okay, I am now unmuted. I think we're good. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Okay. So um, where do we have the perfection this year of 7, 8, and 9? So first of all, obviously we all understand we're in the year 5,700, so we're in the sevens. But... Um, what's really important is this year on the 10th of Shvat is going to be the completion of 70 years, literally the full cycle of 70 years since the Lubavitcher Rebbe became the leader of this generation in which he said that his job as the seventh is to complete the work of bringing the Shekhinah down into this world. Since the number seven is not complete until it's 10, 10 times seven, so until, we're talking about, the Rebbe already said, we finished. But we're talking about finished, Sheba finished. To the detail, to the sub-detail of the detail of the detail, as we complete this year, this year, Tavshin, uh, because the Rebbe became Rebbe in 5711, 1951. And this year, 
we're going to complete the by Yutzvat. It's going to be the completion. Last year we started seventy years. This year is the completion of seventy years. The Shlemus of number seven regarding the leader of the generation. Now number eight. I don't have to tell you why this year is number eight. We're in fifty-seven eighty. Now actually fifty-seven eighty started last year. This year is already fifty-seven eighty-one. But we entered into the into number eight. We or we 5780, these are all within eight itself. So what happened last year? So we saw, since we're talking, since the, what, what, what has to happen of number eight is the fusion and the introduction of the infinite into this world, the Ein Sof, which is the revelation of God into this world, which we know spiritually the infinite is associated with the spiritual level called Keter, the crown, Keser, the crown. Keser is the Ein Sof. So what happened in this past year? We were hit. The entire world came to a screeching halt because of a phenomenon that the world is still grappling with. And we have not figured out yet how in the world we're going to deal with it. But it brought the entire world since the flood, there hasn't been an event that impacted all of humanity in the way that this has impacted what's going on in the last, two, the last nine months. And what happened? We got this situation called corona. Corona means crown. The virus is called corona because it has crown-like features. So if the physical virus is, 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 um, is showing crowns, that's because it's representing something spiritual associated with crown. Now we're seeing obviously a virus, and that's not a good thing. That's super negative and super dark. But we also know that the level of keter, of crown, because it is so infinite, it is so transcendent, it is so great, it is referred to as darkness. Yoshes Choshech Sisro. That Hashem shrouds himself in darkness. Chachma which is infinitely lower than Keser. Chachma is the first of the ten sefirot. That's where revelation happens. Chachma is the flash. Chachma is a flash of lightning. Like a dark, cloudy day, when the rain clouds are coming, it becomes very dark. And then the bolt of lightning, that's the Chachma. That's the revelation. From where? From the darkness. Keser is still a level of darkness. And we understand why. Because Keser is God unfiltered. His infinite light not diminished. Since when we hit 5780, the Mashiach energy of number 8, which really represents Keter, like we see um, um, on Shavuos, we receive the Torah. Torah comes from the crown on the 8th week. Mashiach's coming is the revelation of God's crown. God unfiltered. So what do we see? We see this powerful uh, global effect of a corona that hits the universe. And what does it do? What happens when the king enters? Everybody stops doing what they're doing. So the entire world for at least two months was in shutdown. Things closed, everything shut, everything went down into lockdown. Now, of course, we can look at it superficially and see only the darkness and the, and the hardship and all of that, but we're Hasidim, we're deeper Jews. We wanna look on, on, on a more godlier scale. 
There is something very deep and holy and godly that's taking place in the world right now. It has a very, very thin peel that still needs to be peeled away for us to see its blinding light. But in truth, this is what it really is. And it's not letting go. People thought that Corona is going away. It didn't let go because it's... it's because Corona is leading us into Mashiach. It is the lights of the Giyula. It's the lights of the crown. It's the lights of number 8, which is 80, which is the infinite. And it came in the year of 5780. The quality that we have this year, that this year it's 5781 and not 5780, is that the 1, which, which when we look at the Hebrew word, it's Tav Shin Pei Aleph. The word Aleph is the same word as the word Pele. The level of crown, the level of crown is referred to as Pele. Pele means a wonder, something you can't perceive, something you can't understand, something that transcends intellect. And that's, what, that's why a keser, a crown, you wear on top of your head because your mind can't grasp the crown. It's above your head. But the word Pele, if you rearrange the letters of the word Pele, you get the word Aleph. What's Aleph? Aleph is cracking the Pele, opening up the Pele, revealing within that inconceivable, what we don't understand, what we can't perceive, what we can't understand, beginning to internalize it, beginning to see the light. It's like we said earlier, the Aleph is the flash of lightning that's coming from that dark cloud. The world has been gripped by a Mashiach cloud. It's a powerful, godly present, um, um, in, in, in infusion within the world that is without a shadow of a doubt related to the highest levels of holiness that the world has ever perceived. But it's still concealed from us. This year, the Rebbe already predicted in, 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 in one of his talks, is called Arenu. Hashem says, I will show you Pelois. I'll show you wonders. That means the wonders will crack open. It, from, from the Pele, it will become Aleph. You will be able to perceive and understand. You'll get some insight, not just insight, but it will bring healing and light and the darkness will go away and all we'll have is that powerful, godly presence which is related to number eight. Okay? So that's where this year is. So, so again, seven, because 70 years of the Rebbe. Eight, because it's, it's, we entered into the Pays, and this year is already the second year of the Pays. But the, with the quality that the Pele, the, the, the wonder, the Keter, is not above us, but something that we can actually start to internalize. And now we come to number nine. Why is it so special now, number nine? because we've just entered into, when, when it becomes 81, we're really into the ninth decade. Because we passed 80, 80 is eight. Now once it's 81, you're beginning to count 10 numbers that will complete number nine. So 81 is already related, 81 is already related to the 90s. Even though we're used to saying the 90s, it means nine, like when we speak about the 90s in the, in the secular calendar, it means 90, 91, 92, 93. But really, the 90s start the moment you leave 80 and you go to 81, you're already in the 90s. So we're now already hitting that dimension of godly truth associated, MS of Hashem, number 9, 81. Now here's another interesting thing. 81, if you 
8 plus 1, pay Aleph, this year is 5781, 8 plus 1 is what? Is 9. Another thing, 9 times 9 is 81. So the power of number 9 is extremely, extremely intense this year. 7, 8, and 9. Now, which is, again, number nine is tzaddik, the energy of Mashiach, tzemach tzamachti. Now let's take a look at a moment at the three months that I spoke to you about before. Tishrei, Cheshvan, and Kislev. Tishrei is the seventh month, Cheshvan is the eighth month, and Kislev is the ninth month. Let's take a look at the character of the months. Tishrei is special, because that's when God created the world. Hashem created the world. I mean, He created man on, on Rosh Hashanah. He created the world already at the end of Elul, but He creates, generally we associate creation with the month of Tishrei. Well, that's number seven. The creation is the creation of seven. So Tishrei is really the power of seven. Cheshvan is interesting. It's, it's a month that doesn't have any holidays. So in a sense, it's a very dry month. Yet we know, and the sages tell us, and we know it says in many places, that Cheshvan is going to be the month that we're going to dedicate the third temple. The third base Amigdash is going to be built in the month of Cheshvan, and that's where the Yom Tiv of Cheshvan is going to be. So if that's the case, base Amigdash, and this is, yes, Am I better now? Hold on, let me let me see if I. Oh, but then you won't be able to see me regularly. Um, let me. Let me you, how is it now from this distance? Um, better. The last thing you said was not good. Better now. Okay, so it's nothing to do with the distance from me. It has to do just with the quality no, of the... No, I, I muted everybody. That worked last No, time. no, 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 but you're not muting yourself. So you're, you're getting no, the I echo by you. I did mute myself. I was muted, but let me put it again. Okay, so now I'm going to unmute me. Let me unmute. Right. Wait, wait, wait. I'm still not unmuted. Now, wait, wait, no, no, no. I wasn't unmuted. Now okay. I'm unmuted. Now no, 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 because now you're, you're, you're not unmuted. <laughs> Give me a second. Unmute yourself. Okay, how am I now? Better, okay. Okay, so um, where, where, was I? where was I? I was talking about, oh, Cheshvan is the month we celebrate Beis Amikdash. Not yet, third Beis Amikdash. Beis Amik, and that's the ultimate Beis Amikdash. That's number eight, because Beis Amikdash represents the fusion of eight and seven, God and the world, the perfect residence. Just like we see the first, still not good?
Okay. Okay. So number the base amigdash represents the fusion of 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 eight and seven because God and the world that's number eight. Kislev is the ninth month. I hope I'm good now. A little good. You don't hear anything? We can hear it, but it's just not very, uh, it's very tinny. Very That's so ridiculous. Now I mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I didn't say anything. You know, let me let me shut the air condition. Maybe you're hearing a little sound of the air condition over here. Okay, everybody's muted, and I'm gonna unmute. Okay, I'm unmuted. So Kislev, however, as the ninth month brings us to Hanukkah. So we're all excited in Hanukkah. The number that always we talk about on Hanukkah is the number of eight. Because Hanukkah is the unique holiday. It's the one Hanukkah, the one holiday in which we have an eight-day Yom Tif. Now the truth is we also have an eight-day Yom Tif in Sukkot. Sukkot, we have also Shemini Atzeres, which is number eight. All other holidays, yeah, Okay, but the reason I have my mic is just because I want to be on for the other things. I. No, it's fine, but it's, it's, it's coming through here, I think. It, it could be because you're, you're getting it, it could be you're getting it from the speakers. I don't think it will make that. Does that make a difference? It's making it worse, probably, because then you're getting more of the speaker sound. Let me see something. Let me see. I'm going to shut this. I'm going to shutting this. Okay, I'm back here. My you, the YouTubers and the va the Facebookers are going to start throwing stones. <laughs> the month of Kislev. I'm going to unmute. I'm unmuted. Okay, so the month of Kislev, as we said before, Hanukkah is the only Yom Tiv. Oh, so but what's the difference? Shmini Atzeres is the eighth day. There is an eight-day Yom Tiv. But Shmini Atzeres is a separate day. It's not, the, it's not Sukkot. It's called Chag Bifnei Atzmo. It's a Yom Tiv on its own. So even though it represents a connection to number eight, it's not the complete fusion of Mashiach. It's not seven and eight completely merged together that they become one entity. The only time we have a fusion of seven and eight that is a full, complete fusion is on Hanukkah. On Hanukkah we have an eight-day Yom Tiv. And there's no difference between one day and the other. All the days of Hanukkah are part of one singular Yom Tov. 
But, and, so what did we say earlier? In order for eight and nine, and, and sorry, seven to fuse, to become, in order for seven and eight to become completely fused together, you need to have nine in the background. So when you take a look at the Hanukkah menorah, number one, Hanukkah menorah is related to number seven. Because in the Beis Amigdash, the miracle happened in the candelabra of seven. Right? We understand. But the miracle happened for eight days, and our menorah we light is eight day, is eight candle menorah. Fine, that's number eight. Where is number nine? So we all know that in our Hanukkah menorah, there is another candle that somehow is not part of the menorah. It stands separated as a complete separate entity. It's dismissed as not such an important candle. It's called the shamus. It's the servant. It's here to serve all the other lamps. But really, from that shamus, we light all the menorah. The shamus enables us to light all the candles we light with that shamus. And he's there all the time. What did we say earlier? Number nine is not, is not part of the experience. What's experienced is the fusion of eight and seven. God's revealed infinity is experienced within nature. But what's the enabler? What's the power that allows for seven and eight to fuse together? That's the MS of number nine. So the same as in the Shamas. The Shamas is not part of the mitzvah. The Yomtev, the Chanukiah, the menorah, is an eight-pronged menorah. But behind it all, the one that lights it all, is the ninth one, is the Shamas. And again, the month of Kislev is the ninth month of the year. And I also thought another interesting idea. What does the Shamas do? What does the Shamas do to the menorah? Um, the reason why we put a Shamas is because really you're not allowed to have any benefit from the holy lamps of the menorah. The lamps represent a miracle. You're not allowed to benefit from a miracle. You're not allowed to take miracles and benefit. Miracles are holy. They're godly. They're higher than us. So we have to treat it with a certain separation. Kodesh. Separation. Haneroi salolu kodeshem. Ve'ein lanu reshus. We don't have permission to use them. Because there is a separation between the mundane and the holy. Well, so what do we do? We add a shamus. And when we add the shamus, then we're allowed to benefit from the light of the menorah because it's considered that we're not lighting, benefiting from the eight lamps of the menorah. It's considered that if you're, in, if you're reading a book and you're getting light, it's the light of the shamus. It's not the light of the menorah. In other words, you don't have to now keep yourself separated from the eight from the eight prang menorah. You can be one. You can, you, in a sense, you could benefit from the light because of the shamus, because the shamus is there. So what is the deeper meaning to that? I think, again, I didn't see this anywhere, but I think the idea of it is as follows. As long as we're dealing with eight and seven on itself, without number nine, there is still a separation between eight and seven. There is still a certain a certain a conflict between our natural existence and the godly. And the two of them are, 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 are inter, interwoven, they're, they're interlooping one with the other, but it hasn't become one entity of nine. I'm sorry, one entity of eight. 
for eight and seven to merge completely, as we said before, that miracles are natural and nature is miracles, that the two of them are so fused together. Or in other words, there's no more mundane in our life because mundane and holy have merged together because everything about us and our existence after Mashiach comes is just truth. If it's truth, it doesn't make a difference if you're brushing your hair or, or, or shopping or if, you're, or, if you're, or if you're engaged in the most deepest Torah study or in, 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 in transcendental prayer. After all, it's one truth of one God. And then it's everything, everything is in the same truth. So number nine, which is the shamus, enables you to use the lamps because you and the lamps are one. Everything is just one. There isn't any more that separation coming dafka from number nine. So this year, when we're in the year Shlemus of seven, the completion of seven, we're hitting the number eight in its, perfection, in, 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 in its highest level. Not only did we touch number eight, but eight is beginning to release its revelations into seven that we should be able to experience. And we're in number nine. This is really, really spectacular. Now take a look at the three parshios. Vayetze, Vayishlach, Vayeshev. Let's look at these three parshios. Vayetze is a story of Yaakov. And where is he? And Vayetze, we said before, is parsha number seven. What is Yaakov going to do? Yaakov is leaving his house, his father's house, and he's going out into the world. And Hashem tells him, Ufaratsta Yama You're going to blast and break all the boundaries, east, nor- west, north, south. Faratsta is Gematria 770. Parshas Vayetze is the idea that the Jew is sent out of Eretz Yisrael to make the entire world Israel. That's number seven, to make every part of the world godly. That's Parshas Vayetze. What's Parshas Vayishlach? Parshas Vayishlach is the meeting of Yaakov and Esav. Yaakov and Esav merge together. Yaakov sends it to his brother Esav, and, and, and Esav is coming, he's threatening him. In the end, the two brothers have an unbelievable meeting where they kiss, and, they, and, they, and, they, and, and it says the reason why Yaakov is sending to his brother Esav is because embedded in his brother Esav are all the powerful infinite lights of Mashiach. They're in Esav's property, not in him, because we are the powerful infinite lights in the darkness. That's the, one of the reasons why we have to first fix the world in order to have Mashiach, because the lights of Mashiach are the buried treasures that are the hidden sparks that are buried within the world. In the in Hasidic terminology, it's called the lights of chaos, these intense lights that are higher. So for that, Yaakov has to get his brother Esav involved, because Esav, he's the one who contains these infinite energies, but he's a mess. So Yaakov has to fix Esav, and then he... So the fusion of Yaakov and Esav is really the fusion of seven and eight. It's really the Mashiach moment when Yaakov, and that's why Vayishlach is the eighth Parsha of the Torah. And it's interesting, in the end of the Parsha, it talks about seven kings of Esav, of Edom, in the end of Vayishlach, how it says the seven kings reigned and they died, they reigned and they died, and it comes to the eighth king, and it says he didn't die anymore, because the eighth represents already the Tikkun of Esav. And here's another amazing secret. Yaakov is the numeric value seven times Yudke Vavke. Yaakov is Gematria 182. 
It's seven times the tetragrammaton in God's name. Yitzchak is Gematria 208, which is eight times 26. Isaac, Yitzchak. So the question is, if Yaakov is the son of, 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 of um, if Yaakov is the son of Yitzchak, then how come Yaakov is only seven times Hashem's name, and Asa, and, and, and I'm sorry, and Yitzchak is eight times? It seems like it's diminishing. And the answer is, Yitzchak is the laughter that's going to be when Mashiach comes. Yitzchak means laughter. When will Mashiach comes, the eighth dimension will be revealed, and that's Yitzchak. And that's why Yitzchak is the first person who had his bris milah, his, his, the, the first bris milah on the eighth day was Yitzchak. And Yitzchak has the letter ches, which is eight in his name. Yitzchak's identity is a transcendental being. That's why he wasn't allowed to go out of Eretz Yisrael. He was holiness. He's not part of this world. He's completely above nature. He's number eight. Yaakov is the Jew going down into the world to fix the world. Number seven, not number eight. But where is number eight? What happened to Yitzchak's eighth Yudke Vavke? The answer is Esav. Esav has the eighth Yud uh, 26. Because Esav is gematria 376. Numeric value of Esav 376. So it says that it's, how, how did you get to 376? It's 350 plus 26. What, are the, what is the 350? How do you get, what does 350 represent? 350 represent the word Tameh. Tameh, which means impure, Tameh is, 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 is equals 50. Tes Mem Aleph, 50. Esav, every one of his emotions were completely corrupt and defiled. Esav, just like Yaakov, is seven times God's name. That means everything in him, all of his emotions, his entire human persona is, is, is shining godliness. Esav, his entire being is demonic. His entire being is defiled. His entire being is snake unholiness. Seven times, he's seven times God's name and he's seven times Klippa, seven times Tame. But that's not his nucleus. That's not his essence. In the essence of Esav is the crown jewel. What's the crown jewel? The, myth, the missing 26 that Yitzchak has that Yaakov does not have, that missing diamond, which is the crown jewel of the crown, the eighth one, which is infinitely higher than all the others, is buried in Esav's soul. That's why Yitzchak loved Esav, because Esav's one is more than Yaakov's seven. But in order for us to uncover, Esav can't uncover his own godliness. So Yaakov has a meeting with Esav, and when they meet, what does Yaakov do? He bows seven times, Every time he bowed, he stripped Esau from one of Esau's peels. He knocked off one of the barriers, one of the peels, one of the walls around Esau. And by the time he finished bowing seven times, there was no more darkness around Esau. All there was was that shining eighth dimension of the, of, the, of the spark of holiness of Esau, which is the eighth 26. And now they come together and they hug. That's eight those are the eight lights of the menorah. When Yaakov and Esau are joined together, that's Moshiach. 
And that's why Vayishlach is the eighth Torah portion. But the ultimate, ultimate is the next parsha. Vayeshev, Yaakov is settling. That's already, what's that? That's number nine. That's already the tranquility in the days of Mashiach, the full truth of the divine. Parsha's Vayeshev. So that's the significance now of eight, nine, sorry, seven, eight, and nine in these months as we're filling them now. So now to conclude all of this, to conclude all of this, I'd like to say that there's one more powerful, crazy thing about this year, which this will take everything we spoke about and say, wow, it, it adds just one more spin to all of this. And that is as follows. The Gemara says that we have to thank God. It's a, it's a Talmud, a passage in the Talmud of Masechtis Shabbos, Tractate Shabbos, where the Talmud says we have to tr thank God that He gave us a triple Torah because the Torah is made up of Torah, Nevi'im, Aksuvim. Three parts to the Torah. Torah, prophet, the, the, the scripture is made up of Torah, the five books. Nevi'im, which is prophets. And Ksuvim, which are writings. Okay. He gave it to the Jewish people, which are a triple people. Kohanim, Levi'im, and Yisraelim were made up of three. He gave it to us through the third person, which is Moshe. He's the third person in his family. He gave it to us on the third month, because there are three months um, Nisan Er Sivan is the third month, and he gave it to us on the third day. So the Rebbe asks the question, who cares that there's all kinds of cool stuff of number three? And if it would be number four, what would be, what would be lacking? Why do we make such a big deal about number three? Why is Torah so deeply associated with number three? So the Rebbe says, because the whole point of Torah, Torah is a peacemaker. Torah comes to unify God and the world. The number that represents unification of two opposites, of two forces, of, of, that comes to settle an argument, that comes to unify, that comes to bring a harmony where there is discord, where there is separation, is the number three. Three is the number of peace. So therefore, since the Torah comes to bring peace between Hashem and the world, between all the nations, between all people, between all elements of creation, world peace, Torah will bring that about. That's Mashiach. That's why the Torah, everything about the Torah is number three. So we see something really, really spectacular. And that is that this year, in addition to all the qualities I spoke about before regarding the numbers seven, eight, and nine, this year is also 3,333 years since we went out of Mitzrayim and we received the Torah. If the Torah is all about making peace, shouldn't we think that the Torah got its job done by the time we got to 3,333 years? Now what is so special is two days before this year begun, sorry, three and a, a half a week before this year begun, before we entered into Rosh Hashanah of this year, on the White House, it was Tuesday, it was on a Tuesday, it was Yom Shlishi on the third day of the week, but it was literally three days before Rosh Hashanah, there was a, unif a powerful peace, a stunning peace that came about between Israel, Bahrain, um, and, um, and, and the Emirates. And if you think about it, it was, and, and then a few weeks later, Sudan also joined. So you have three nations that have accepted to have peace with Israel, and this peace is not based on any kind of land grab like we've seen till now. It's pure peace for peace 
and it's built on a true, deep, mutual respect from country to country. As experts are saying, it's a very warm peace. It's not this cold peace. You see, the peace that was made with Egypt was a very, the Rebbe felt it wasn't a kosher peace. It wasn't because it was, from its very beginning, it was based on a lie that we needed, that the Jewish people should give land in exchange for peace. That's why there is a big scandal taking place today, literally today and yesterday. There is a great Egyptian singer that was caught, was, was, was in Bahrain or he was in uh, Dubai, I don't know where he was, and he was, took selfies and he, I think he performed or he took selfies with a Israeli popular singer. And, and Egypt is in an uproar. How dare they, now hold it, don't we have peace? The answer is that peace was a false peace. It wasn't a deep, real, generic peace. It wasn't Mashiach peace. It wasn't coming from the world being, because if it would be that, it would be based on truth. Because Torah is also the Torah of truth. It wouldn't be based on lies. So this peace, however, that's happening now is a genuine, real peace. Not be, and it's between who? The three, in a sense, you can say the three, it's, it's between, it, it's, it's done between the Jewish people and the Arabs, which is Yaakov and Yishmael, Israel and Yitzchak and Yishmael, but it's being brokered and, or, and orchestrated a lot through in America, which is Esav, which is interesting. So it's the three family members of Avram's family. It's, it's, it's amazing. So it's the number three of peace, of fundamental peace that's happening right at the beginning of this year, which is 3-3. And what's even cooler is that, even cooler is a funny thing to say. What, <laughs> what is even, I feel, super cool is that Netanyahu, during that, during that event, spoke at the White House and he quoted one pasuk in Hebrew. You can watch the speech. One pasuk. You know what his speech was? Which, which pasuk did he quote? Hashem oz li'amo yitain. God gives strength to his people. Hashem yivarech, Hashem will bench as amo his people, bashalom with peace. The simple meaning why he quoted that pasuk is because he was trying to emphasize that peace must come through strength. Hashem oz li'amo yitain. God gives strength to his people, then will come peace. Peace through strength. But what he didn't realize what he was saying it has nothing to do with him, it has nothing to do with Trump, it has nothing to do with it, nothing to do with anybody. It has to do with the power of the Torah. Since the Torah has been here in the world for 3,333 years, which is the number of Shalom of Peace, the Pasuk Hashem Oizli Amo Yitain is God gives the Torah to the Jewish people. For what purpose? Hashem Yivarech Es Amo Yibashalem. Hashem is giving us the gift of peace to bring peace to the world. That's what we've been doing for the last 3,333 years. So Netanyahu, not even knowing, is saying, guys, the world, the, it's done. Mission accomplished. Peace has happened for the first time between rival forces that were, had hatred to each other for, for, two, for thousands of years. Yishmael harbors hatred to the Jewish people. And now is the first time that we're seeing millions of Muslims beginning to open themselves up to the Jewish people. Number three, it's spectacular. So now let's take a look and see the amazing thing. So how many years since the giving of the Torah? 3,333 years. Now let's do like this. Three times three is nine. Times three, because we have four threes. Times three is 27. Times three, 27 times three, 81. This is the year 5781. 
So from every direction, the threes. Now, which month are we in right now? We're in the ninth month. But as I told you earlier, the months are divided into four groups of three. We are now in the third group, in the third month of the third group. Again, another two threes. And Chodesh Kislev started on a Tuesday, which is also number three. So the power of peace, the power of, of, of unity, the power of oneness, the power of truth, the power is so intense. It is so powerful. Every element of Geula is so, so strong. So now I'm just going to address the obvious question that I think people have because I'm not going to ignore it. If everything is so Geula, why do we feel that suddenly so, so lost? Especially in the last two, three weeks when we saw certain things seem to happen which didn't seem to be exactly in accordance to the plan that we had figured out how Mashiach is coming. So I would like to just address that and say one idea. And that is, we know from every time that God takes us out of Golos, from the past, that Hashem loves, I, don't, I can't explain the psyche of it, but, I mean, obviously we understand that. I mean, he's the, he, if He's God and He's put this whole thing of drama and... God likes a little drama. Like we've seen at the, when we went out of Egypt. Like when, 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 when we were, literally Moshe was there already, and then it got really dark for a moment. And it got hard. And then when he takes us out already, and we're already leaving, where it happens? We're standing by the sea, Egypt comes running after us. We see it this week in the Parsha too, when Yaakov leaves Lovan's house. The last minute, he left already, Lovan comes chasing after him. In other words, there, in the story of Megillah's Esther, by the story of Purim, we also have the same thing. It's like we're expecting the Yeshua, we want the... And suddenly, Haman is raised up so high, Esther invites him to a party, he is suddenly given the honor as if he's the most superpower. And he makes the gallows. Right before he falls, he puts up the gallows for Mordechai. Hashem, for whatever reason, likes to take us to the very, very brink end. The fact that for a moment there is a stunning turn that we don't understand. So first of all, no one knows what's going to happen. We're in a year of wonders. If we're understanding what's going on is a sign that something's wrong. The fact that, we should, that we're not understanding, it's a mystery. We know one thing, that God is now involved to literally roll out the final redemption in the most spectacular way. If we haven't, you know, we go and start adding up, crunching the numbers like I'm trying to do in this class to figure things out. But we realize we're tiny little human beings trying to figure out the infinite mind of our creator. So yes, everything we saw in the last couple of years was absolutely an a indication of redemption. It was the, 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 the liberation of Jerusalem in the sense that it was re referred to and called and strongly the, 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 the capital of the Jewish people. The freeing of Rubashkin that happened which was so sudden on the eighth day of Hanukkah. And the, pulling the, the, the breaking of Iran which was such a threat to the Jewish people. And the complete shut, excommunication and shooting and shutting down of the Palestinian cause, weakening that whole force in this world. All these things are absolutely indications that we're at the fast and final stage and Mashiach is winning and fighting the battles. 
The fact that we reach right now a moment that we don't understand, that's exactly what it is. A moment we don't understand. As long as we don't get depressed, as long as we don't lose our hope, as long as we keep our faith moving, and this should bring us to a point of feeling even more energetic and more driven. We need to now finally, get, the Eberster wants us to join, to give him the inspiration as well. So what's the takeaway from all of this? If I can bring it all to a takeaway, takeaway is that we really need to supercharge our batteries with deep faith, with deep amuna, especially women, because you hold the key to the redemption. The, it's the merit of the women, it's the energy of the women. You can facilitate the wonders. You have it within your neshama. You, you, the Rebbe says that this generation is actually the generation who went out of Egypt. When the men become wishy-washy, when the men, today for instance, the last two weeks, I was a little bit under the, uh, let me put it this way, under the weather because of the events of the elections. It, it, it got me a little down. I wasn't happy. And I wasn't doing my daily videos that I do. And today a woman gave me over the head an email. She said, what's with you? Where are you? She said, that's, that, that, that's absolutely, she didn't, she, she, didn't, she didn't say it that way, but that's the way I got it. Like, what's with you? Get, get, it. get out of your cave and get out there and start talking. And because of her, came out and I did a video on Baruch Hashem. So the women have the power. Men can be a little, can get lost. Women have to be the bearers of the Giyula. You have to hold it. You must march in the head. And I would recommend it's not to be a bystander and to watch, but literally to take a chilek. There's not going to be another chance to be, to be those who march and lead the way to the Geula ever again, because in any moment Mashiach is going to be here. Now is the chance, not just to be a bystander. So it means whether we're saying extra Tehillim, whether we're davening, we're giving Etztachah, all those stuff, but more than that, it means to become actively involved in spreading the amuna and the confidence that Mashiach is coming. And I know there are so many WhatsApp groups where people are talk about Geula and Mashiach. There's nothing holier than that. There's nothing that drives. To join what you can, one of them I will highly recommend is Vote to Mashiach. It is so important for us to, to get involved in voting Mashiach, in giving Mashiach, because Mashiach needs our vote. Um, anyway, I, I know there's m m so much, but that, uh, you know, there, the, the, it is reaching far circles, people that till now were terrified for, about, about Mashiach. Groups of people in the, in, the, in the observant world, for whatever reason, that Mashiach was not a hot topic. Now they're interested. Now people are, want to know. So whichever way you can help, whether it's helping spread, helping with ideas, manpower, financial help, whatever could be done into these programs, these programs that are driving Amuna and Geula need to be now strengthened in every way that you can. So again, I gave an example, but there could be so many others. Whatever it is, you must join the Geula groups and actually expand them in any way possible to see, to see to it that as far as you can go with these things, to strengthen. You have no idea how powerful it was two years ago. It was about a year and a half ago when the women had the, the, the big women Geula gatherings. It definitely pushed Mashiach so powerfully. It needs to happen again. We need to do this. We need to gather. Women have to gather across the entire world to sing Mashiach, to dance Mashiach, to cry out Mashiach, and to vote Mashiach in every possible thing. Nothing is too crazy. We cannot, at this moment, we need to go full throttle ahead. 
And that's all I can say, because everything is lining up. The threes, the sevens, the eights, the nines, where we are there. And if we realize how special this all is, how awesome this all is, and how incredible this is, every, we, 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 you know, we, we, we wouldn't be lazy, we wouldn't be tired, we wouldn't, we would just get, literally, take all of our strength and give this final push. May we merit to see the Geula still way before Hanukkah. May it be now. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Yes. Yes. I, I believe. I believe for sure there is an element of that because you know why? Because Amalek is the is the crown of Klipa. It's also Keter. It's also crown, but it's the crown of the unholy. But yeah. Okay. So now give me your question. That's when we don't, it's very simple. In our own, we are the control board of the world. Literally, our hearts, our thoughts, our minds literally are the control board for creation and for the cosmos. So when we're, you know, we can wake up and see corona and hear the news for corona, whatever it is, and fall into the depression and to the sadness and to the darkness of it then we're allowing Amalek to dominate our space. And that has a ripple effect in the world. If we, instead of watching the news, tapping into that, tap into the Hasidus, tap into the, to the, to the, to the godly corona, to the Mashiach corona, to the crowning of Mashiach, then Amalek is, then we're exposing the real corona, and the, and the Klippa corona will, will you know, dissipates instantly. So I know it's a battle. I struggle with it a lot because, you know, we're, we're tended to, to look for the news, to hear, to this, to that, and to, and to allow it to kind of create within, our, within ourselves our mood. But that's the danger, and, and we shouldn't do and we have to be very careful and know that the way we're responding to it and the way we're reacting to it is, is really what has impact. Okay, but I can't, I, I don't have the chat box in front of me. Okay, so I'll read your question. Yeah. Well, you know, when Esav was born, Esav was born first. If he's born first, means that he is number one. 
and on some level, he wouldn't be born first. If he was just rotten, a rotten, evil monster, then how in the world is he coming out first? Number two, how in the world does Rivka and, Av- and Yitzchak, uh, the biggest tzaddik and tzitkaniyas, give birth to, a, to someone who is rotten to the core? So we have to say that Esav, he might have had a lot of negativity, but deep inside there must have been something holy. How in the world would Yitzchak love him so much? That's another proof. The fact that Yitzchak, he's a tzaddik, you can't fool a tzaddik. Good, the Torah says some kind of a deception. But Yitzchak is a real tzaddik. If Yitzchak loved Esav, it must be that Esav had certain spiritual powers and spiritual potentials. Esav never unlocked his potential. He couldn't unlock his potential on his own. That's the reason of Yaakov's work with Esav to unlock Esav. But in the end of days, Esav is repaired, sublimated, and elevated. And we, and, we, and we will experience a different Esav. Which Esav? The Esav that will help us build the third base Amigdash. As it says, Esav will, part- will participate in the building of the third base Amigdash. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Who's, whoever said it isn't, it definitely is. But what is it, we have, to, we have to look a little deeper. How can there be something that is impacting the entire world in such an incredible way? And it's called crown. It's reaching the entire world. So what I am saying is, it's containing within it an energy that is, that, that is going to change the world, which is Mashiach. It's just that it's right now still camouflaged in this darkness. It is dark, and it's a very, it's a, it, 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 so many people died, and so much suffering, and so much. But again, the same thing I told you about Esav. There is, there is the external, and there is the internal. We need to focus on the internal. We break through the, 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 the outer. That's what it means to be a Jew. A Jew is related to Neshama. Neshama is Pneumius. To be able to look past the veneer, to be able to look past the, 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 the body, the external, and see the, see the neshama of it. I buy what you're saying, it just, uh, there, this is a double edged sword. <laughs> it, it definitely is. It's, it's, it, I wouldn't say a double-edged sword. It is, it is a, a, a sword on the one side, and on the other side it is, some, it is geula. And um, we, need to, we need to focus on the geula side of it, and we will then uncover the geula side of it, and then what corona has really been and what it truly is, the revelation of Mashiach in this world, is literally going to reveal itself. What is that going to do to the virus? It's obviously the virus is going to disappear. What is going to be left of it? Only, only this incredible um, 
godly godliness that's that's that that Mashiach is bringing. That's what's going to be left. How does that fit with Corona? I haven't figured that out yet. It's still a mystery to me. Yes. I hear you, yes. Okay, so I just want to say that Corona is certainly frightening and has affected the whole world, but actually the media you know, misrepresents what's really going on as far as how dangerous the virus is. I'm not minimizing. I mean, we're all terrified to do anything, but I think that part of the fear is really generated by the media and not by the reality. Yes, and obviously there is a, a lots and lots and lots and lots and millions of people who feel that way and there's people who feel differently and, and, and there is a lot of confusion and there definitely is a lot of confusion and, and the confusion itself is, is, is an indication that any second the world is dropping everything that it held on to, everything that it believed in, you know, the world, all the trust that it had. And, but if it, because in the midst of all of this, the world is going to put its trust only in the Abishter, only in the true king that's going to reveal itself, himself, and that's Mashiach Tzadkenu. In other words, what's happening all around us is that we feel and we sense that we're surrounded by lies, and that lies is being exposed in every direction. And today, literally, you don't know who to believe. You don't know which story to believe, what to believe. Everybody's approaching everything with mistrust. The governor tries to make a rule, everybody's mistrusting. The, this is, everybody's mistrusting. They're coming out with a medication, with a, with a shot. The vaccination, God forbid, they want to they put the um, robots. I've watched the video. No one is trusting anything. Elections, we're not trusting what happened. No one is believing anything anymore. It's, it's amazing. And, what, what you're, what, and I, I, that itself is, 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 is a, you can see, on the one hand, it's very scary, but that itself is an indication that the world is now going to, ready to hear from someone who is going to say the truth because they dropped every idol. They've dropped every other, everything they've lost trust in. Now, when Moshiach appears, the world will listen and the world will embrace him with such love and with such everlasting devotion. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, for sure.
Mm-hmm. So the fear is a valid fear. The, the experience makes a lot of sense. And for someone who's coming to this from a pure place of sense, yes, the mind could lead a person into a lot of fear. What I will say, however, is that when um, one, of the, one of the fascinating um, teachings we have from our sages, um, that, the, that the Rebbe, quoted um, very strongly, especially in the last two years we heard the Rebbe speak. The Rebbe continuously quoted this again and again and again. Is the powerful Medrash that was describing intense world events that are going to scare and frighten the entire world, especially the Jewish people right before Mashiach comes. Um, and the Rebbe says that God comforts the Jewish people and he says to the Jewish people, don't be afraid. All this that I am doing is only being done for your sake. That's what the, that's what the Eberster says. Banai, my children, altiro, don't be afraid. Not only is this not going to harm you, but everything that I've done, all this turmoil, all this craziness, all this is only been done for your sake. And I am now in the midst of doing Whatever it needs to be done, which obviously we don't comprehend, to bring about the, the, the greatest moment for Am Yisrael and the Jewish people. I believe that even though the Rebbe did not explicitly say it regarding Corona and the events that are happening right now, but there is a lot, and there's too much for it to discuss right now, but there's a lot of indication that what the Rebbe said then 30, 29, right, about 30 years ago, um, is, is, and the Rebbe himself makes a parallel between 5751 and 5781. The Rebbe says these two years, or these two numbers, he doesn't say years, but he says these two numbers are parallel numbers, which, again, obviously there's a little bit of a, of a leap over here in the sense that I'm saying that 51 and 81 are two parallel sister numbers, it also means applying to the year, because the year 51 was applying to a year, so it doesn't take too much to say that regarding 81, that it's refer referring to the year as well. And the Rebbe is leaving us with that message, that the Abishter, God himself, says and whispers, if you can only repeat these words, we should probably spread it, just that you should be able to, and say it before you go to sleep every night. Hear God whispering in your ear and telling you, my, ch my child, my children, don't be afraid. Whatever is happening is only being done. There's no question that that is applicable to the time that we're in right now with all the madness and the craziness that's going on. It's really all about us. It's all about the final redemption. And then it says after that that Mashiach stands on the roof of the Beis Amigdash and he tells the Jewish people, my humble ones, the time of redemption has arrived. So we really need to work. It's not easy. But we need to push away thoughts of darkness and doubt from our mind. That's all part of Amalek. It's all part of the spiritual dark side of Corona. Amalek means, is the same numeric value as Suffolk. Suffolk means doubts. 
So we will experience these, these, these frightening moments. We do feel it. We do experience it. But that's, that's part of our avoda, is to, is to, is to kick them away, to, to banish it, and, and have an argument ready. And say, you know what? You're right. But God is saying to me, don't be afraid. Everything that I have done is for the sake of the Jewish people. That's what secures me. And I, and I can only share that, hopefully, to secure anybody else that's feeling worried. You're welcome. Everyone should be gebenched. It should be a really freilich achaydish. It should be the happiest Hanukkah ever. And a very happy Yud Tes Kislev. And a very happy Yud Kislev and Tes Kislev coming our way. All this should only should show itself finally as the real Chag HaGeula and Chaydish HaGeula. So I gebenched everyone. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Amen. Amen.